You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Holy crap, it's July already. That means it's NBA Draft Month. That means it's NBA Finals Month. That means we are one month closer to the start of the 2021-2022 Sacramento Kings regular season. But before we get to opening day, there is a lot that has to happen for the Kings, especially when it comes to their roster. Moves that they can make, moves that they will make, moves that they shouldn't make. And when it comes to a guy who is pretty tapped into the moves that the Sacramento Kings should or can make there isn't anyone better than James Ham from NBC Sports he is going to join me for part one of our conversation on today's podcast we're going to talk about a ton of stuff we're going to go back to the decision last offseason to not match the offer sheet for Bogdan Bogdanovich and how that stings with him starting for an Eastern Conference Finals team we'll talk about the Marvin Bagley situation the possibility of trading Marvin away for nothing just to open up cap space to be able to re-sign Rashawn Holmes. And in part two on Friday, James and I will focus a ton on the NBA draft itself. It's all right here for you on the Locked on Kings podcast. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season and all offseason. If you're looking for in-depth analysis, game-by-game breakdowns, highlights, interviews with local and national experts, full coverage of the Sacramento Kings from January through December, this is the place for you, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in the episode. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for nearly the last seven years. Looking forward to covering the Kings season number eight for me, both as an on-air host and multimedia journalist here in the coming months. But like I said in the intro, a lot has to happen before this season starts. And James Hamm is going to be the guy with his fingers on the pulse of the Kings organization, as he always is. Anytime we can have James here on Locked on Kings, it's a real treat. And he was nice enough to spend an hour with me. That's why you're getting a two-part interview. I got no time to waste. Let's jump into it. Locked on Kings, welcoming back James Hamm, NBC Sports Insider of your Sacramento Kings. To this point, figuring out what Monty McNair is going to do with the Sacramento Kings this offseason has, for the most part, been a guessing game. Us trying to get into the mind of McNair based off the limited information and the uh, comments that we've gotten from him in his two or three press conferences that he's given us so far in this year and some change that he has been general manager of the Sacramento Kings. Actually, it might not even be a year yet, uh, come to think of it. But someone who knows... Probably as much as there is to know about Monty McNair's process, what the Sacramento Kings are doing, the true inside scoop is Sacramento Kings insider James Hamm for NBC Sports. James, kind enough to come back with me here on the Locked on Kings podcast. Once again, I always look forward to chatting with James. James, welcome in. Hope your uh, offseason is going well. Hope you're enjoying these NBA playoffs that seem like they're dragging on forever, although they're going to be over quickly and then we'll be bored out of our minds waiting for the NBA draft and the offseason to end. But how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. I've had, you know, a little bit of back problems, but outside of that, I've been trudging away and, you know, just doing my, my normal thing here uh, at NBC sports. And um, it's, it's been a quiet off season so far, but uh, I expect some fireworks and 
Uh, and I'm enjoying watching Bogdan Bogdanovich mm-hmm. uh, have his day in the uh, the NBA playoffs. So out of everybody who may have been a former king, he's the one guy that stands out that uh, you got to pull for a little bit just because he's a winner and he came to the NBA and went to a franchise that uh, that hasn't always valued that as much as they should. And uh, I think at this point, it, it's fun to see him on a huge stage having big moments and yeah. So I am enjoying the playoffs. I hate watching all the injuries. Injuries have just been brutal, um, but you know, they're part of the game. Well, actually let's start there with Bogdan Bogdanovich. Ask you a question about that really quick. It, it going back to Monty McNair's decision to not match the offer sheet that the Atlanta Hawks offered Bogdanovich. Uh, the, the reasoning was clear. It was the Kings not wanting to commit $70 million or that range of money to a, a player and, tighten up their cap sheet, basically just to roll back the same team that maybe at best was a, a, a eighth or seventh seed uh, in the NBA. And I understand Monty McNair wanting to maintain flexibility, which he talked a lot about when he he first got the job here in Sacramento. That being said, seeing Bogdan Bogdanovich uh, thrive and, and be a starter on an Eastern Conference Finals team right now, he's had some struggles in the playoffs, also is playing a little bit hurt too, uh, but had a, a great game the other night. Do you think there's regret from McNair and the Kings standpoint watching Bogdanovich succeed or is it, man, he moved on, we moved on and and we're happy to see him thrive. I think if you're asking Monty, it's probably that second. It's that, you know, he moved on, we moved on. Um, But that doesn't mean that it was the right decision. I mean, I, like I lambasted the Kings when it happened. Um, it's not just that you lost Bogdanovich is that you lost Bogdanovich without compensation. Um, you know, they had the Dante DiVincenzo deal worked out and someone blabbed to the media instead of waiting two days. Uh, so that was an embarrassing moment for both the bucks and the Kings, uh, and an agent. So, I mean, we have that situation. And then on top of that, you know, I do know that Atlanta had offered, I think it was, uh, Tony Snell and a first round pick. Uh, in exchange for Bogdanovich before he was actually, before he signed the offer sheet. But the first round pick wasn't a great first round pick. And and in in fact, it wasn't even really a first round pick. It was a first round pick that dissolved into two second round picks. And so while, you know, two second round picks have value, um, you know, it wasn't like the end all be all and you would have taken back $11 million in salary and and Tony Snell and were really limited what you're able to do. Um, although they, the Kings didn't partake in free agency at all. Um, so yeah, like, I mean, for me, uh, you know, I saw this was a topic of discussion this morning on Twitter, um, you know, that the Kings should just move on and that they don't, you know, that at least in one person's opinion that it wouldn't have made more than a game or two difference in the standings. I totally disagree. I completely disagree. I think if Bogdan Bogdanovich was on this team, uh, the team is at least five games better and maybe seven games better. And I, I think in a typical year, I wouldn't put Bogdanovich's impact on a roster at five to seven wins uh, improvement. But in this particular season where depth became such a huge issue for the Sacramento Kings, um, I mean, from the opening tip, I mean, I, I don't think Luke Walton had eight players really to, to base his rotation on. So I think in this particular draft, uh, I mean, this particular season, 
um, not having Bogdanovich and his ability to play 30 minutes a night, to play the two, the three, to act as your secondary ball handler, to start alongside De'Aaron Fox and bring Buddy Heald off the bench. Uh, you know, I just think it really, really hurt this team. And we could argue that all day long, but at the end of the day, uh, Bogdanovich is starting on an Eastern Conference Finals team. Yep. Uh, he would have been in the rotation of every team in the league this season he's a very good nba player and you got absolutely nothing in compensation for him and on top of that people say well if you held on to him then what do you do with homes you don't have any cap space for homes either and so i hate to tell people this but if Rashawn holmes gets anything above a four-year 50 million dollar contract the kings can't compete mm-hmm. They don't have the ability to compete at all. That's the most they can give him unless they give away a Marvin Bagley or they trade Buddy Hield and take back, you know, 50% value um, or they give up DeLon Wright in a dump, whatever it might be. The Kings don't have the money to re-sign uh, a player like Rashawn Holmes. So not only do you not have Buddy Hield, but now, I mean, not, not only do you not have Bogdanovich, but now we're talking about in three seasons in a row you losing players without compensation uh you know so it's it's something for a team like the kings who don't have a ton of talent to start with and don't have an ability to participate in free agency like everyone else does uh or like maybe you know 15 of the teams have this ability to go out and sign anybody kings have never had that ability um it's just for me i i it doesn't work. The, the math doesn't work out. You, you should have retained him and then figured out how to balance your roster afterwards. And that means you got to give up Buddy Heald for pennies on the dollar. Then that's what you do. But there's no question in my mind that Bogdanovich is a better player than Buddy Heald. Um, he's a better player than Marvin Bagley. He's, he's, you know, probably equal to um, Harrison Barnes as far as value and what he brings to the court. Um, so, I mean, you literally let your, your second best or third best player walk without compensation. And to me, that that's not the way that I would have conducted it. Uh, but you know, I said my piece then, and I'll continue to beat the same drum. I just, you're not going to convince me any way that that was a, a great basketball move at the end of the day. And so. Yeah, there I, you go, Matt. <laughs> I, I think, I'll burn it down. I don't care. <laughs> I think the biggest sting for for Sacramento Kings fans, really for everybody, is not only did you let Bogdan Bogdanovich walk away and, and and got no compensation for him, you did so as a small market, non free agency destination team who can't afford to let players that you either drafted or in that that case acquired in a in a draft day trade, letting those guys walk when that's one of the only or few times you're ever going to have control over a guy, especially with him being a restricted free agent. If he's unrestricted and he walks, well, there's nothing you can do about it. But the one bit of control that's in place for you as a small market, non-free agency destination, you willingly relinquish. And I think that's the the biggest sting for a lot of people. But uh, last question I have on this Bogdanovich situation before we move on, uh, how do you respond to the, not necessarily a criticism, but the argument for the Kings moving on Bogdan, uh, from Bogdanovich, suggesting that, hey, Bogey would have taken minutes away and taken the ball out of the hands of Tyrese Halliburton and, and potentially slowed his development. How how do you respond to that? Yeah, uh, Kareem rises to the top. 
that I mean, it's it's really basic. The second they got Tyrese Halliburton in their system, they realized they had a gym. And that would have made moving on from Buddy Heal that much easier for them. Yeah. Or waiting a year and trading Bogdanovich. Uh, at, at the end of the day, you just you walked into the season with no depth at all. I mean, even again, like you could have packaged a couple of second round picks and and traded, which is what the Kings ended up doing, trading Corey Joseph and cleared up like two thirds of the amount of cap space. And, and so again, you chose to pass on a player and not only, even if it was like, because we have maybe some impending free agency uh, issues coming up or, or whatever, well, you ain't got no money for that either. So uh, yeah, like I, I don't buy it, Matt. Um, you know, you've got, you've got between the, uh, the point guard, the shooting guard and the small forward position, you got a lot of minutes and this team limped into the season without depth mm. uh and for me it just i think tyrese halliburton with bogdanovich would have been great bogey can play off the ball he can play on the ball you know he can get to the free throw line he's a better defender than a, a guy like buddy healed I, I mean i just think overall I, i'm i'm kind of shocked that uh you know like there are arguments you can make i, I just don't buy any of them on this particular player with this particular team uh, you know, I, I posted a picture of the 2016 draft class that the Kings brought in um, that popped up on my phone. So it was Papi Giannis, Scalabissier, and Isaiah Cousins sitting side by side um, at the, the official press release, uh, the official news conference. And on top of that, they, I think they had Malachi Richardson in that draft as well at number 22, but he wasn't, the trade hadn't gone through yet, so they couldn't introduce him. Um, and of that, None of those players are in Sacramento. And the only thing you got for the number nine pick in that season was Bogdanovich and you lost him for nothing. And so again, I, not to beat a dead horse, but I, I just think at a certain point, you have to figure out ways to retain your talent and how to reshuffle the deck. And if playing it back with Vlade Divac's roster made sense, it made sense. And, you know, bringing in a guy like Hassan Whiteside, made zero sense zero sense from every single perspective zero sense well speaking of bogdan bogdanovich it is time for our Michelob ultra moment of the week and we're going back to arguably bogdan bogdanovich's greatest moment as a sacramento king it might sting to see bogey excelling with the atlanta hawks and no longer in a king's uniform but we will always have this shot and rather than explain it to you why don't we just relive the moment together? Now, where will the ball be inbounded? Far side of the floor, Bielitsa will be the trigger man. This will happen in a hurry. Here comes Fox. Ball fake. Belly holding. Got to get it in. Does to Bogey. Bogey drives to his right. Three for the win. He's got the bucket. The Kings get the victory as time expires. Pandemonium at Golden One Center. Oh, look at the sea of arms upraised. People jumping up and down in their seats. And Bogdan Bogdanovich being absolutely mobbed by his teammates. Final score, 117-116. On a night when the three-point shot, aside from Iman Shumpert, was not the friend of the Kings, Bogey. Driving on Tyson Chandler, jab step, right, launch, 
from 25 feet away and found nothing but net. Bogey's iconic game winner in the Golden 1 Center over the Los Angeles Lakers. And big shout out to the G-man Gary Gerald and the Sacramento Kings Radio Network for allowing us to use that highlight. It always gives me chills listening to that moment, remembering being in the building for that moment. That moment, the eruption of fans, it was a just collection of joy, happiness, and enjoyment. Despite the struggles and the frustrations that we've gone through with the Sacramento Kings over the last 15 seasons now, moments like that just seem to make it worth it, or at least a little bit easier to get through. And like Michelob Ultra, it's really only worth it if you enjoy it. Only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories in each drink. Joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. Bogdan Bogdanovich's game winner over the Lakers as your Michelob Ultra moment of the week. Add bogey to the long list of, of players over the last 15 years that have gone from Sacramento to be contributors in some way, shape, or form for, for playoff teams. I mean, bogey just is, is the next on that list and arguably towards the top of that list with his starter status on an Eastern Conference Finals team that is a couple wins away from actually making the NBA Finals. Well, James, um, I did appreciate at the start of this offseason the, the Kings making the announcement quickly that they were sticking with uh, Luke Walton. In fact, that was the story that you broke. And then I appreciated both Walton and McNair making it very clear what the goal was for next year. It's making the playoffs, and, and they that's the bar. No excuses. It's, it's all about making the playoffs, and we all know that moves have to be made this offseason if the Kings want to accomplish that goal. Um I, I do appreciate that, but I want to know in your mind, is there, I know there's a hot seat for Luke Walton, even though there's the commitment to him for another year, at least in my mind, I imagine if the Kings were to miss the playoffs with one more year left on his contract, the Kings might be more willing to move on from Walton then than they were this year with, with two years left. But for Monty McNair, who's really going into his first full offseason or is in his first full offseason as his, in his first ever general manager gig, is there heat or pressure on him in any way to turn this around that quickly, or does he have more time than maybe some of those comments might indicate? You know, this is such a difficult question, Matt, uh, to be honest with you, you know, I think Monty McNair had like three seasons or four seasons within one this year. And it's something that um, it partially was his fault. Uh, because of the lack of depth on the roster. I mean, that clearly was an issue. Um, so so you lost big early. Uh, and I, I think the plan this season was to lose big. But then when the team started clicking and all of a sudden they get back up to 12 and 12, and you're looking at this team and going, okay, what do we got here? All of a sudden they're, they're doing things that are stunning and fun. Um, then it became like, okay, I need you to get on the phone and we're going to try to go for the playoffs. And so then it became like, so Monty had, you know, seasons within a season. And then as soon as 12 and 12 happened, what did they lose nine straight or eight straight, whatever it was. Um, And they put themselves right back in a giant hole. So it's like, okay, well, we're not really bargaining from a position of power. And then all of a sudden they win again. And so like leading up to the trade deadline, they were on a, they were winning again. And so um, I think like in this season in particular, uh, Monty really, he learned that in Sacramento, uh, managing expectations behind the scenes is probably the biggest part of your job. Mm. And, uh, and that's not easy. It's nearly impossible because expectations never stay the same. 
and you can tell somebody this is a phenomenal draft and we need to be in the top five and they can shake their head and say, okay, the second you start getting any taste of winning, the entire idea behind a season goes out the window and you're, you're fighting to make trades. And, you know, I think the one good thing that Monty did do is he, at the deadline, he brought in, you know, a guy like Mo Harkless, who was on a, uh, on an expiring contract for 3 million bucks really didn't cost you much. Um, I actually thought that was a really fair trade and he fit the system much more than Nemanja Bielitsa. He brought in a guy like Terrence Davis, which, you know, did cost you a second round pick and, you know, that's substantial value, at least in the modern NBA. I mean, those picks sell for like $5 million a piece now. So if you're cash strapped, it's always nice to have a stack of second round picks. But on the other hand, it's not like the Kings need more young players. They already have uh, Jemias, you know, I, I won't say more young players as in like a top nine pick. They don't need more second round picks. Sure. You nope. don't, you know, you, yeah, you already have Woodard and Ramsey and even Justin James, you have an option on, uh, but also Chimezi Metu and, and Jones. I mean, you just have like a bunch of young players. You cannot, we just learned this, this season, you cannot fill out a roster with uh, second round picks as part of your top five, 15 players and then throw in a Jabari Parker and a Hassan Whiteside and an Amanya Bielitsa, none of which fit your system at all. And all of a sudden, Matt, we get down to eight players. And one of those players is a guy like Corey Joseph. And one of those players is a guy like Tyrese Halliburton. So realistically, your system specifically, you got six players that can really run up and down the court in your system. Right. That's not, that's not successful basketball. So is McNair running into this? Like, is he on the hot seat? I don't think he's on the hot seat, but I mean, he has to figure out a way to deliver it. And the problem that you have is that when you retain Luke Walton, um, now you put yourself in a really awkward position because if this thing goes off its rails this season, what does that mean next off season? Now, I mean, clearly that means that there's a good chance Luke Walton won't be around. Um, but do you let a GM who didn't, find success in his first two seasons and who stuck behind your coach, you let him hire his own guy Mm. with the idea that maybe he can't turn it around and you might end up with the same situation again, where you let go of a GM and um, where you let go of a coach uh, or, or you let go of a GM and now you have another coach under contract for three or four years. Like we can't just keep repeating the same cycle. And that's, that's the biggest problem in Sacramento is that you have to have a plan. You got to stick with it. And I hope McNair gets a long leash to develop this thing and figure it all out. Um, I think that his first draft was really good. I think his first trade deadline was very good. He got value. He didn't overextend, uh, you know, the DeLon Wright thing at 9 million bucks. It really does hamper your ability to compete for Rashawn Holmes, but it's not like you can't trade the lawn, right? He's been traded a million times and he'll tell you that too. Like he, he won't, he wouldn't even talk about next season. He's like, I've been traded so many times and I'm going to talk about it uh, about my fit here or anything else. So, I mean, I I think he did a good job there. It it was just free agency that I just, I I was stunned. I mean, they chased Derek Jones jr. And the like opening moments of free agency, they lost out on him. And then it was like, like crickets. And I've never seen anything like that because you knew you didn't have a roster. You knew you didn't have the players to compete. I mean, even if it were bringing back Alex Lennon, Kent Bazemore, 
those were much better fits than what you got than you know glenn robinson the third which you know again wasn't i don't know what happened there it wasn't totally utilized right but uh and, and then hassan whiteside i mean you gotta you gotta build out a roster that makes sense for people uh that makes sense for the coach that you have and the system that you're trying to run you can't bring in a guy who goes and stands in the middle of the key and puts his hands in the air uh and, and can't get up and down the court when you had the fastest point guard in the league so well, let's hope the plan stays at making the playoffs and anything less is a failure, regardless of where you end up in terms of draft lottery odds and position. Of course, there are anomalies like, God forbid, Tyrese Halberton and De'Aaron Fox or De'Aaron Fox go down and those injuries, of course, drastically uh, affect your season. But I like the fact that it's been at, at this point in time, clearly put, it, we're going for the playoffs and, and anything less is, is a failure and it is a disappointment for us. Uh, and that's the that's the measuring stick that hopefully everybody can hold everybody accountable uh, to going into next year. So that being said, moves have to be made. This roster has to be improved. I think everybody would agree on that. And the Kings are not only strapped for cap space right now, but also in in a tough position with a couple of players who are overpaid and and may not have the trade value that. The Kings would want, and, and of course they don't want to give these players away for for pennies on the dollar. I'm talking specifically mainly about Buddy Heald and even uh, Marvin Bagley in that conversation. So you brought up on the um, D'Lo and KC radio show that you believe that this ninth pick is going to be heavily shopped by the Sacramento Kings. Is it in a scenario in your mind, or have you heard like attaching that pick to one of those two names, or maybe even a Harrison Barnes or another player to try and spice up a package? Is it to attempt to move up or down in the draft? Is there specifics to how the Kings would are trying to shop this pick and if they're targeting anybody, I guess? Yeah, I, I mean, Matt, I think at this point, you have to look at your roster and be honest with yourself and, and say, look, we've got We've got three primary guys that are under contract that fit what we're doing at least next year and the year after. Mm -hmm. And that's Fox Halliburton and, and Harrison Barnes. Now, if you have to lose Harrison Barnes in a trade, I think that one hurts because uh, I've talked about his value uh, people who don't understand Harrison Barnes's value to this team. I, I'm confused with, um, you know, good teams have players that can play 35 minutes a night and give you, at NBA or slightly above NBA, like standard value. And it's, it's one thing to have, uh, again, a guy like Willie Cauley Stein in his last year in Sacramento posted like 12 and eight, um, you know, 0.5 blocks per game, which was ridiculous, but, um, but his PER was high. It was almost 20, like his perf, uh, or does it player efficiency rating? Um, so like on paper, his value was tremendous. But the fact is he was solid for about 26 minutes a game. There's a huge step that you take when you have a player who can play 35 minutes a game and give you everything that you need. Yeah. Um, so, so again, I, I, I like Harrison Barnes as a piece that should be here for the next two years and play out his contract. So just, it's declining scale. Now, if you can go out and get massive value for Harrison Barnes, that's one thing. But the chances of you getting massive value, uh, you know, you're you're probably going to get something equal to, uh, or less less than. You're going to get picks, and you know we've seen what picks mean. They mean absolutely nothing if you can't actually use them correctly. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, I think when I when I make the statement that the Kings are going to shop that heavily, like look, every single option is on the board. Mm -hmm. Like if. Mm -hmm. 
someone wants to be crazy and trade the number three pick in the 2021 NBA draft, and they're willing to take the number nine pick, a player, and a 2023 first round pick, and Evan Mobley is standing there at number three, then you're crazy if a team would take that because that changes your idea of what you're going to do moving forward. That gives you not just a building block, but an elite building block that matches your young players. And so maybe it's not, you know, a big giant sign that says playoffs are bust on the side of our wagon here. Uh, Maybe it's okay. We just got a huge building block and we're looking at three years from now being a contender, not just a team hoping to make playoffs. So on top of that, I, I think the Kings do have some players that we've talked about, like Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley. They, you know, clearly there's potential to move on from both of those players. Um, I think the Kings could package some of that stuff, you know, some of their their other players that they have and the number nine pick and possibly their 2023 pick and swing for the fences. And that's what really, like in my conversations with Monty McNair, like it's not like superstar or bust, but it's that that's what their idea is. Like, how do we find somebody who will take this team from here at 30 wins or 31, whatever they won this year in a 72 game season, but jump it so far that you're looking at a good six or seven year playoff run where it becomes easier to sign free agents and it becomes easier to, you know, fill up the building and have a winning culture. If he can find that deal. And I don't know what that deal is. I mean, we can talk about players that make sense. You know, we can talk about Siakam or Ben Simmons or, you know, Bradley bill becomes available. There are like all kinds of players that could come available here. But if one of those players that, the Kings have on a whiteboard somewhere that we're not going to get some strange photo of. Um, (laughs) If, if there is, you know, a list of players on a board somewhere and one of those players or two of those players come up, Monty McNair is going to swing for the fences. There is no reason not to. Uh, You've tried every other thing. And for 15 straight years, you have not made the playoffs. Now it's time to, to really take a stab and could that be a 27, 28, 29 year old all-star level player? Yes, he would do that. It's not about finding a 21 year old or a 22 year old, or, you know, it's gotta be John Collins and some crazy sign and trade because he's 23 years old. It's not that it's how do I make this team better? And again, trading Harrison Barnes, I hate to tell people this, that does not make your team better. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what you think of this contract or anything else. I'll tell you this, like there are, I could name probably 20 players in the league right now that are a worse contract in the same price range as Harrison Barnes. I mean, you know, Joe Harris is a good shooter. Davis Bertans is a, is a good shooter. Harrison Barnes is a better basketball player and he makes roughly the same amount of money. So like they're, you just have to figure out how to build on your talent base, not lose talent. And, you know, again, they're in a position where they could lose their starting center. They could have no way to replace their starting center because there's no one at number nine in the draft that, that makes sense uh, as a starting center. And then where do you go from there? Like, how do you bring in somebody 
and try to make another Rashawn Holmes because that doesn't just happen. You know, this team in their 35, 36 years in Sacramento, Rashawn Holmes is probably the second best free agent signing in the history of the, of the franchise Yikes! Be, behind Vlade Divac. I mean, that's, that's how good he's been for them. But like, if you, you're going to lose him, then what do you do next? And so I think playoffs or bust is a really nice, you know, tagline, but at the end of the day, like, look, like they have to figure out a way to improve the talent base. And if that means number nine has to go, if that means a future first round pick has to go, if that means that I think anything outside of uh, De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, then you have to listen. And then your hope would be that you could retain uh, Harrison Barnes. But outside of that, I, I think everything else is on the table. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing number of makes like Fiat and Kia and models, Pacifica, XT5, it's now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning like is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And why wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brands that his warehouse happens to carry? You have a computer with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com offers all the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear, like airlines do. Rockauto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. I know nothing about cars. Absolutely nothing about cars. But when I know what part I need, I go to rockauto.com. It's in my basket and on its way to my house within hours. It's amazing. Plus, it saves me a ton of money. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com. Well, I love the possibility of a swing for the fence, back against the wall, nothing to lose type move from Monty McNair. Because, I mean, look at the position that you're in. You're knocking on the door of NBA history with 16 straight seasons without the playoffs. I don't know how much Monty McNair cares about that. I'd like to believe that Vivek and King's ownership cares about that, seeing as how the majority chunk of that that playoffless streak is now owned by them and, and not Maloof's and for, former ownership. But Monty McNair, of course, is not responsible for that just in his second year. That being said, going for it seems like a, a fun and different change of pace here in Sacramento. So we'll see what kind of rumors and uh, the Kings get involved in. Before we transition to draft talk, I did want to ask one question about Marvin Bagley, but it's it's kind of a, a different perspective type thing. Of course, there's a drama surrounding Bagley right now and things that he's liking or changing his bio on Twitter and blah, 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 stuff like that. But my angle that I wanted to focus on, James, is the fact that Monty McNair didn't draft Marvin Bagley. So there's not a, or I, I believe there's not a sense of urgency for him to save face and make that work. Maybe ownership wants that. The former general manager who drafted him, Vlade, is gone. So in, in Monty's position, in your mind, is it more worth it for him to stick it out and bring him, if the trade package is not there, if you can't get anything better than a second-round pick, for Marvin Bagley in terms of value. Is it more worth it to bring Bagley back, say, hey, here's a bench roll for you. Here's rotation minutes. Your job is to go out there, put up numbers, help us win in the short term. You're not considered really part of our core, but you can build up your trade value. You get what you want. We get what we want. We can move on from you at the deadline for hopefully a better value move. Um, 
Well, I mean, I would just counter that, Matt. Uh, if giving up Marvin Bagley for a second round pick means you have a legitimate shot of retaining Rashawn Holmes, do you do it? Good point. I mean, that's that's what we're talking about here. Mm. Like, I don't care if it's a second round pick. I don't care if it's a mid twenties pick. You know, I think Houston is a team that I've kind of circled who has what like twenty three and twenty four in the draft. Would they be a trade partner? I mean, the Kings have to find a way to free up like eight to ten million dollars in cap space here. Um, and you know, like I think who was it? Uh, was it Richard Jefferson said on the jump that uh, Marvin Bagley needs to realize that that no one is going to love him like the franchise that drafted him. Mm -hmm. That from then on, he's not going to be looked at in the same light at all. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, I think you know, realistically, like Bagley still, in my mind, should be a really good fit player for the Kings. And um, it's unfortunate, but like you, you cannot bring him back next year without bringing back another starting level power forward or center, whatever it is you're going to consider him. You can't, you can't bring him back next year without bringing back a second player that will be there when Marvin gets hurt. And it's, at this point, it's not if, it is when. And, I mean, the dude's played, I think it's 52% of his games. He's missed 48% of his games. And at, what, 108 games in his career, he's played um, something like that. And, you know, I, I think it, it really, if you look at the way the Kings get skewed on this one, uh, it, look at what uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. has done in Memphis. And, he's barely played any more games than Marvin Bagley. But on top of that, when Marvin does play, like the stats say that Marvin is a much better player. Mm. I think Jaron Jackson averages like five rebounds a game or something. I, you know, Marvin Bagley still has crazy, crazy potential. The problem is like between his injuries, uh, the fans reaction, the Lucas situation, and then, I'm just, you know, it is what it is between all of that. And then his, uh, his family meddling and his family being a negative distracting, like not a good influence at all. Uh, you know, they've done a really good job of, of making a very, very good young man. Marvin is a very good young man. And I don't have any problems with Marvin Bagley, the person I don't have any problems with Marvin Bagley, the potential player. Um, but at a certain point, you have to look and say, look, you've three years in a row, you've averaged 14.5 and, and 7.8 or whatever it is. Like, because you can't stay on the court, you've never been able to progress as a player. And that's an issue. And um, and some of that is influence from the outside. I'm just going to, you know, I've never seen a player mid-season break a, a bone in his in his dominant hand when everyone knew coming into the draft he didn't have a non-dominant hand his right hand is you know was non-existent coming into the draft and ever that he can you know it's like he's zoolander he as opposed to not being able to hang a louie he can't use his right hand hmm. you know so you had an opportunity for him to work with a coaching staff and really really buckle down no leg injuries no nothing you just sit there and work on your right hand all day and they let him go home for a month. I mean, that's to me, I know it's COVID times. I know things are strange, but you have a development staff there that has 
lo and behold, has shown the ability to help players like Rashawn Holmes, uh, De'Aaron Fox, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, all of these players have gotten better. Um, heaven forbid, uh, Harrison Barnes got better as a 28-year-old player, a 27-year-old coming into the season. So, like, you have an opportunity to go work with the staff and get better, and instead you left and you know and and i said it then i i wouldn't put him back on the floor i don't think he thought he was coming back on the floor so so anyway i I don't know there's so many mistakes there uh matt and there's so much baggage with this whole entire situation that at the end of the day i think what's best for everyone is that he's not on this roster moving forward but that doesn't mean he won't be because it doesn't mean i mean if you know you're going to lose Rashawn holmes and you can't get anything but a low level second round pick, then maybe Marvin Bagley is your starting center next year to start the season. And you got to bring in a bunch of backups and, you know, you just, it's a bad situation and it doesn't make it any better that Trey young is in the Eastern conference finals, who was drafted what two spots below or three spots below. Um, And, and Luka Doncic is, you know, an MVP candidate that doesn't help. That will do it for part one of my conversation with James Ham. Part two tomorrow is going to be just a deep dive into the NBA draft. James's mock drafts, who he thinks would be good fits for Sacramento. We talk a lot about Moses Moody amongst other pieces. You're going to want to tune in and listen to that. But as for today, we are finished. If you could leave a review of this Locked on Kings podcast, if you haven't already, I really would appreciate that. Head over to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. Uh, Hit five stars only if you think the podcast is worthy of that rating. There's a little box for you to leave a blurb about why you would encourage other Kings fans or just NBA fans in general to listen to the podcast what you like or don't like about it even it's a good place for constructive criticism we read it we respond to it uh, so I really would appreciate that and of course I would appreciate you tuning in on Friday as I do every single episode until then my name is Matt George you have been listening to Locked On Kings part of the Locked On Podcast Network you are Locked On Kings your daily Sacramento Kings podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day.